Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, April 12th, 2018. The end of the line is near. I can see the light at the end of this dark tunnel of bad Easter sermons. Oh, man, you guys sent us some really awful, and I mean just terrible, terrible Easter sermons. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of really crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we should be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says or means. There are a lot of people who are twisting God's Word, making it void, uh, you know, manipulating it, adding things to it that are not there, uh, scratching, itching ears. I mean, it, there's so much deception going on, it's literally... Almost impossible to keep track of all of it. So uh, what we do on the program is we try to you know put together quintessential examples of particular archetypal types of you know Bible twisting and things like that. We follow particular well-known personalities and some lesser known. And uh, the idea here is is that it's an exercise in learning biblical discernment, learning how to listen to test to see if what anybody is saying is actually squaring with what God's Word says so that you can protect yourself and your family from those who would deceive you and lead you astray and potentially send you to hell. That's kind of the idea. And so it's a politically incorrect program. This week is about as the most politically incorrect as we ever get when we put this uh, contest together. And I understand that this, like I said, this does upset some people just like, this is just too much. Yeah, I get it. Uh, th- but the reality is, is that no, it's not too much. What is too much 
is that these people are actually preaching these sermons that we're featuring here. That's the problem, not me pointing it out and then explaining what's wrong with it. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Good. I got to tell you, you know, y'all have done a great job of sending us just horrific Easter sermons. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was describing it to somebody the other day. I said, it's like, you know, people are literally like emailing me piles of, of like dog poop. And my job is to like sniff them all to find out which one stinks the worst. It's terrible. <laughs> it's just the, uh, the previewing, you know, categorizing and then deciding who's going to go where. Oh man. And, uh, and then, then ultimately at the end of it, you know, putting them out there for you to consider, as you will be voting at the end of the week, it's, uh, you know, this is one of those really, really tough times of the year for me. It's just awful. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back to like standard normal episodes of fighting for the faith because uh, these these Easter sermons, they're wow. Yeah, they're just wow. So uh, to kind of mix things up today, though, uh, what I decided to do was to do something a little bit more on par with like a standard episode of Fighting for the Faith. So let's talk about what we're going to do. We're going to begin with an end of the world update. Uh, We're going to head over to the YouTube channel of Blue Heaven. And uh, the name of her video is Days Left, dot, dot, dot. Uh Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, these, uh, you know, end of the world, uh, you you know, rapture dreamer types, they are they are constantly saying it's just it's this month it could be next month it's right here you know and and uh you know blue moon who has been known to uh, set dates in the past mm-hmm, uh she's cautiously sort of creating anticipation for maybe the rapture happening on the 16th of April which would be really nice cuz then I wouldn't have to send in my taxes but uh <laughs> but uh, I'll be writing a check and sending it anyway but <clears throat> yeah, just saying. So uh, we're, we'll begin with that. And, you know, I've lost track of now how many times I've survived the end of the world. And if I make it through the 16th and, uh, you know, then I, you know, we'll have to put another hash mark on, you know, my end of the world survival <laughs> dossier. I mean, I am I literally am getting up there as far as like one of the the biggest experts on how to survive the end of the world. And uh, literally, I mean, my my secret is just do nothing. Just keep going about your daily business as if nothing is going to happen. <laughs> That's how you survive all of these ends of the world. Anyway, so uh, then we're going to steer back into some honorable mentions for this year's worst Easter sermon of the year contest. We're gonna head head over to Crosswater Church and listen to Jack Millwood and his one of the most bizarre interpretations of Jesus' death and resurrection that I've ever heard. He literally is gonna say that Jesus' death on Good Friday and then his day of confusion on Saturday and his resurrection from the grave on Sunday has left us an example of how to handle pain in our life. I'm not making that up. And uh, yeah, it's wow. And uh, then we'll head over to Cherry Hills Community Church as we listen to Shane Farmer kind of give a standard twisting of uh, of the resurrection and talking about how you know God's going to resurrect things in your life, which we hear all the time. Uh, then we'll do a Hillsong update to uh, to balance out hour number one and uh, listen 
to a portion of Brian Houston's Easter sermon and kind of key in on some of the most egregious, uh, well, actually the most egregious piece of all of it. And what was fascinating is he was clearly plugging his book during his Easter sermon, which his latest book is There's More, I think something like that is the name of it. And he's clearly shilling for his book during the Easter sermon, which is just unbelievable. And then in hour number two, uh, <clears throat> contestant six, contestant number six in the uh, Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest, and we're heading over to Valley Bible Fellowship, and I can't pin this on a particular pastor. There's, there's no way to really do that. Um, for their Easter service, they um, they did a game show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll be listening to the game show uh, where you know people are offered to sacrifice particular important things regarding their church commitment for other more worldly things. Yeah, I'm not making that up. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground we need to cover. Let's uh, head into a doom and gloom update. Here we go. Coming soon, listen to Third Eagle's tune, doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon, very soon. You'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon, doom and gloom, very soon. Rapture comes at night or noon, doom and gloom. Very soon, if you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Bum, 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 bum. All right, so we're heading over to the YouTube channel of uh, a woman who goes by the name of Blue Heaven. And she's one of these rapture dreamer types. And uh, this particular message is coming to us from the inside of her vehicle. I don't understand this thing. Where you know, you, I feel like I one of these days I'm going to have to do an entire episode of fighting for the faith, or do a video segment, you know, from my car, just to feel like to see if I can figure out why this is such a common thing. But uh, let's listen in as she's trying to explain to us that there's days left, and she's creating expectation. You know, it's April, you know, and that that, that uh, the the rapture could be happening any minute now. Literally, that's literally what she's talking about. Here we go. Hey guys, I hope you're uh, doing good today. Yeah. I wanted to just finally get a video out here. Um, I was thinking about something really interesting with April 16th that's coming up again. and Yeah, you know, I mean, this year, those of you living in the United States, you got to file your taxes on the 17th because the 15th falls on a Sunday, you know, so, you know, they, they yeah, mm-hmm. It's a weird rule how that works. We get a couple extra days to hang on to our money. Of course, a year ago, you know, who would have thought we'd be here for another year? And here we are. It's yeah, who would have thought? I mean, yeah, because, you know, a year ago in April, the, the rapture was supposed to happen and it didn't. Ninth right now. So I'm thinking about it, knowing how many things came up last April. Yeah. And, well, one thing that occurred to me is that, of course, I am definitely thinking it could be April 16th again, okay? 
no. Yeah. So the rapture, you know, it's going to happen on Monday. Hope you're ready, folks. I, you know, me personally, I'm just going to go about my daily business and survive yet another end of the world. Out about it. But even with that, I thought of something today I wanted to share with you, which is that, um, okay, if you add 360 days to April 16th, Mm -hmm. which is the amount of days of the year for the Enoch and Hebrew calendar. The the, the Enoch calendar, got it. Which could make a big difference. Are you going to get that? You know, because never mind. Um, you come to April 11th. Yeah. Now, a sister in Christ had written me recently and said, "Could could that warning April 16th have been a year warning, like Queen Esther, who took a year to prepare to meet the king?" Right. You know, I hadn't, I had really not even thought about that. But I mean, what a provocative concept! That you know, yeah, Queen Esther, you know, a whole year to prepare, you know, in her beauty treatments and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe that's the reason why the rapture didn't happen last April sixteenth, right? And if you do the Enochian, is that the way you would t- refer to it—the Enoch calendar, the Enochian calendar? Th- then you would, you know, f- you, never mind. This is absurd. It have been a year warning. Yeah. And, you know, when I read it, I'm thinking, well, it sure could have been. Sure. And here we are, right? Yeah, it could have. Anything's possible, man. So, I'm thinking, perhaps that's what it was. Not thinking we'd be here still. Yeah. She's very, very depressed. She got it wrong last year. And so now she's grasping at biblical straws and manipulating the biblical text to basically create the expectation. 16th of April this year, oh boy, you better hang on tight. It's the end of the world. And so, but it, but at the same time, if it's a year warning from God's calendar, that assuming it's 360 days... That would fall on the 11th then, right? Um, yeah, that was <clears throat> yesterday. Which is looking pretty accurate. No, no. <laughs> no, the rapture didn't happen yesterday. I'm 9,000% sure of that. Enoch calendar. Yeah. Um, that would take you to April 11th. Yeah. Okay, and today, yeah. Is, today is April 9th. So... Um, that's really been I mean the other day the Lord told me that he's coming in days in days yes I mean you sure that was the Lord telling you that because I guarantee you that from this moment until Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead that between now and then there are a certain number of days it may be a lot of them. It may be a few of them. But the only increments, you know, you you could it, it could be years, it could be millennia, it could be centuries. 
But regardless of whether or not you you bundle them up in that way, it is a certain number of days. It could be a thousand, it could be ten thousand, it could be a hundred thousand days. You know, I don't I I have no idea when Jesus is gonna return. So I assure you that you know that uh, we could deduce this without a reg, it, like you know, a direct revelation from Jesus that it's just days away. It, of course, it's days away. There, there, there are only days between now and then. You know, we have days left. Days, yes. Okay. No, I know that's that's a big statement, but no, it's uh, conveniently ambiguous. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even getting into confirmations of it yeah i assure you there's no confirmations of it i think you get the idea so (laughs) i get to add to my resume you know how many times have i now survived the end of the world i think i'm approaching 20 i mean because there's a whole bunch of them you know predictions regarding the end of the world that i haven't even been keeping track of so i'll just round it up i've now survived the end of the world 20 times as of monday but uh, you know, I don't want to brag yet. So I'll, I'll be humble and wait until Tuesday to add that extra, you know, amount there to my resume. You know, because you know I'm skilled at surviving the end of the world. All right, moving along. Hope you're sitting down. I didn't know you was gonna start out with looking for a city built above, looking for a city. Saint in millions never say goodbye. There will meet our Savior, and our love was true. Come, our Holy Spirit, for our homes renewed. Looking for a city where we'll never die. Where the Saint in millions. Yeah, so we're looking for a city there. All right, so we're heading over to uh, Crosswater Church, uh, Jack Millwood uh, presiding. This is a portion of his Easter sermon that will get an honorable mention here. And I just, again, I hope you're sitting down. In fact, you know, I actually feel like I need to do this. I'm going to play one of our standard warnings just because <laughs> this is so absurd. It falls into the category of you could hurt yourself while listening to this segment of Fighting for the Faith. So let's do this. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. 
Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. You've been warned. Here's Jack Millwood. That's what I was just saying. Jesus is an example to how to handle pain in your personal life. Now, I know nobody in here has ever had a pain. Some of you married a pain. I understand. And not just y'all, you know. It, we got some folks down here named pain. They spell it different. But John's a pain anyway. So, uh, both spellings. But uh, how to handle pain. And, and here's the way I want to do this. So- right. Easter's all about learning how to handle pain. Uh, how to handle pain. Hey, look, look, you know, the Easter holiday is three days. Friday that most people call Good Friday. Nothing good about it except the end result of what it accomplished. But it was a day of pain. Indeed. Jesus was truly suffering. Friday is a day of pain. That's when Jesus suffered and hurt and was crucified. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, I'm going to call a day of confusion. He was in. Nobody else calls it that, but uh, Jack Millwood here. It's a day of confusion. Got it. And nobody knew what to do. And nobody. they were waiting. He hadn't been resurrected. He wasn't being crucified. It was just a day of confusion, what to do. And then Sunday, of course, is Easter that we're celebrating. It's a day of joy. So you got Friday, a day of pain. Saturday, a day of confusion. And Sunday, a day of joy. So basically, it's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about how to get from Friday to Sunday in your life. Oh, man, this is going to be hard. This is painful, painful. This is just talk about adventures and missing the point. Okay. How to move from pain to joy. My middle daughter turned 30 last week. Okay. And I know I don't look old enough to do that, but she did. So I was with the kids yesterday for a little bit, and uh, they asked me, said, well, Dad, what you going to preach on tomorrow? They may be listening now. They better be listening now. But they may be listening now. And uh, so they said, we know you got to preach it four times. You just need to warm up. Tell us what you're preaching. So I said to him, I just sat at the table. I said, well, you know, Friday was a day of pain. And Saturday's a day of confusion. And Sunday's a day of joy and victory. So I'm going to try to talk. About- yeah, I, th- I think he's got the days wrong. I-, I think, you know, since he preached this on a Sunday, um, he got the days wrong. Sunday in his church is a day of confusion. I, I think that's a proper way of labeling it. How to get from Friday to Sunday. Yeah. My oldest daughter, who has a 12-year-old boy about to be a teenager and a three-year-old girl about to be a tornado. And uh, she looked at me and she said, Dad, I ain't worried about it. I know how to get from Friday to Sunday. I need to know how to get from Monday to Friday. That's what I need to know how to do. So you know what? Your day of pain could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day you call it. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when you allegorize Jesus' suffering and death for the forgiveness of our sins and turn it into some kind of a model we're supposed to follow, because uh, you know that He's given us an example then of you know how we can get from the Fridays to the Sundays in our life. Talk about missing the point. Um, well, then anything's possible at this point. This is just bizarre. Everybody in here goes through a period of pain and suffering. Some of you came to church today, and I know it's Easter, and today we get pretty and we get nice, and some of you guys even take a bath, you know, and you come to church. and it- Yeah, that's right. The folks there at uh, Crosswater Church, you know, the, the guys there, they take a bath, you know, at least once a year, whether they really need to or not. Yeah. 
It's wonderful and sweet. But inside, you're just going through the difficult times of life. And today is a day of suffering. Well, I want to tell you the answer to getting from Friday to Sunday is Easter. So let's look at it. So the answer from getting to Friday, from Friday to Sunday is Easter. All right, I can't wait to hear this. First, let's look at Friday. Yeah. I'm going to call Friday the day of pain. You know, Jesus, you know parts of this, but Jesus suffered, dude. I mean, he suffered. Look, in, in at least three ways, he suffered physically. Jesus had physical pain. You've read, heard, maybe seen movies. They nailed nails into his hand. They put the crown of thorns on his head. They beat him on his back. They hung him up between heaven and earth. He just pulled in to try to breathe. I mean, excruciating pain. Yes, that's what it took in order to redeem us and to propitiate our sins. And basically, um, you know, he had to suffer the wrath of God in our place and extremely painful. Yeah. Do you know the way you die on a crucifixion is you really die from suffocation. You, you can't. Yeah, this is true. Breathe. That's why they pull up. And that's why the, the crucifiers would take and break the criminal's legs so that they couldn't stand and pull up and, and breathe. So they would asphyxiate and die. And, and uh, Jesus experienced physical pain. So let me say to everybody in this room that's going through a time of physical pain, he gets it. Don't think because he's Jesus, he doesn't understand what it means to hurt in the morning, in the day. He understands physical pain. But he also suffered emotional pain. Get this. His 12 best friends leave him, forsake him, even deny that they even know him. They stripped the guy naked, put him on a cross at a major thoroughfare in Jerusalem. Everybody comes by. The Bible says they wagged their head. They were making fun of him. I mean, here's a guy who's going to be, he's the son of God. Now everybody's laughing at him. Look at that naked man up there dying, crucified. Look at all that beating. I mean, it was humiliating to die. Yeah, have you ever felt like you were naked and being crucified? You know, don't worry. Easter will teach you how to get through that. If you're going through emotional stress and you're hurting, you feel like you've been rejected, nobody loves you, Jesus gets it. He's I'm glad he gets it. That you know. <laughs> Oh man. Again, missing the whole point. He had physical pain, he had emotional pain. But here's the big one. He had spiritual pain he went through. Now, I tried to figure out how to just get us to comprehend this. And so here's what I'm going to say. Have you ever done something wrong? You just, I know you have. You don't need. Yeah, I, I have. And you're doing something wrong while you're talking right now. I'm mishandling these biblical texts, but okay. You ever done something wrong and then later you, you realize it and you feel guilty about it? You know what it's like to feel guilty? You go around going, oh, I can't believe I was so stupid. I can't believe I was so dumb. Consider this, that in the moments when Jesus hung on the cross, he, become every, he became every mistake. Every sin, every child molestation, every rape, every murder, everything happened in the whole. Now, it's true that he is our substitute. I mean, this is, this is absolutely true. The way he's saying it is a wee bit sloppy. But yes, every one of our sins was laid on Christ, no matter how egregious and heinous it was. And he suffered and bled and died for those. Yes. Because he became every sin the world's ever known. He became that on the cross. 
And it was so bad, God, the Father, turned his head and wouldn't look at it. I mean, Jesus became all of that. He suffered inexorably hanging on the cross. So much so that I can look at you today and say, I don't care where you're suffering. I don't care what you're going through. Jesus gets it. He knows- no, no. See, see, that's the wrong application of the uh, <clears throat> substitutionary aspect. You know, Christ actually bleeding and dying for our sins. It's not that he gets it. You see, when it comes to sinning, Jesus doesn't get it. When it comes to suffering the consequences for our sins, yeah, Jesus gets that. He absolutely gets that because he is the one who who took our place. God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it's not that he gets it, it's that he's bled and died for it. That he has reconciled us to the Father by what he has done. So I, I think you get the idea. That's about as much as I can handle of that, fellow. We're going to take our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Shane Farmer and uh, Brian Houston. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. I don't know why we have to come to these small group sessions. They're just so boring. Hey, do you find that small groups just aren't that interesting or fun anymore? That's quite literally what I just said. Then we have the product just for you. New from Los Lobos Ministries is Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs. Well, what is it? Simple. Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs are an entire booklet loaded with fill-in-the-blank Bible passages. Aren't we supposed to read the scriptures the way they were originally written? None of you want to spice up your small group Bible studies. With Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs, you can make every passage be about you. Isn't scripture about Jesus? Only if you want it to be. In our postmodern age, it's stupid to think that such a thing as absolute truth actually exists. Every passage is open to interpretation. Read the example. But now that you have been set free from financial debt and have become warriors of God, the fruit you get leads to better sex and eternal life. For the wages of sin are smelly diapers, but the free gift of God is a really good tax return in Jesus Christ our Lord. That was absolutely heretical. 
Why would anyone butcher scripture like this? Because modern-day Christians like you don't endure sound doctrine. By popular demand, you've appointed leaders in the church who've given your itching ears what they want to hear and haven't looked back since. Ha! Suckers! This is just horrible. If you thought it couldn't get any worse, then you're just as foolish as Naval. We've already expanded the biblical Mad Lib franchise to include alternate Bible translations. That can't be good. You're right! It isn't! We now have biblical Mad Libs in The Voice, the NIV, the KJV, the NKJV, and, for a limited time only, we have the Furtick Audaciously Revised Translation. Wait, doesn't that last one spell? Yes, it does spell fun. Not just fun for you, but for the entire small group. We've even created a biblical Mad Libs Junior Edition to get the kids twisting scripture from a young age. I would never buy this for my children. Lucky for you, you don't have to. We're handing out free copies to every youth group in the nation. Plus, we're also including a special copy of Elevation Church's The Code Coloring Book for a little extra heretical flavor. You're not going to get away with this. You can't stop us. We're already in control. Resistance is futile. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck, because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twistbusters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, exclusive Skype interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, Jesus' death and resurrection has nothing to do with learning how to get from the Fridays to the Sundays in your life. (laughs) Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith 
is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world, and you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew, the other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to do it by supporting us on Patreon, you can be- click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. Let me thank you for your support. We truly, honestly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Quick reminder... Registration is currently open for the 2018 Pirate Christian Radio Conference up at Os- in Oslo, Minnesota. Yeah, that's just north of Grand Forks here. And uh, it's the Fight the Good Fight of Faith Conference. Space is limited to 150 registrants, and which means you're going to want to register sooner rather than later. Uh, I will be speaking, Pastor Matt Richard, uh, the Reverend Dr. Matt Richard will be speaking, Sandra Ostapowicz, as well as Phil Johnson. All of the information is available on, you know, travel arrangements, where to stay, things like that, and uh, how to register. There is child care provided. Uh, there's a little bit of a fee for that. But uh, go ahead and go to fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the 2018 PCR conference link at the top of the website. It's right there in the navigation. And uh, we look forward to seeing you here. Uh, keep in mind, I try to keep my conferences small. Why? Because I want you to be able to interact with all of the speakers and get to know people. You know, that's kind of the idea. P- PCR, Pirate Christian Media, is a family. And we really love being able to have time with our um, supporters and those who listen to us and uh, be able to press the flesh, sit down and have a conversation and stuff like that. All right, let's uh, move along here. Next up in uh, in our, in our uh, let, let, me, let me do this right. I've got to give us the right update music for this. Here we go. Down in an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are standing in a row. Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist. That's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Roly bowl a ball, roly bowl a ball, singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. Got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to Cherry Hills Community Church as we listen to Shane Farmer. And a portion of his Easter sermon that gets an honorable mention here at Fighting for the Faith, uh, titled Dry Bones. See if you can make heads or tails of the standard, like, twisting of the account of Easter. Here we go. Yes. You guys give them 
hand as you're taking a seat. And I got good news for you today. Romans 8:11 famously declares to you that the spirit of the God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Yes, this is most certainly true. That you know what what Romans 8 says here, I totally agree with. That's great news. So, because of that, the God who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies. He will do this because of his spirit. Now, notice the text says because of this God also that we, that God will give life to our bodies. Romans 8 is a promise that we too, like Christ, will be resurrected. And 1 Corinthians 15 makes it clear that when we see him, we will be like him. All of those things. So, yes, we we as Christians have this hope of the resurrection and our bodies being raised from the grave. This is most certainly true. in you. And so what I want you to hear today is that you're here not only to remember a resurrection today, but you're here also to receive a resurrection today. If by receive a resurrection you mean that if I'm an unbeliever, then being brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and receiving the Holy Spirit will then mean that I too will rise from the grave bodily, then I'm with you. At Ezekiel 37, prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah, that Ezekiel uh, prophecy about the Valley of the Dry Bones, yeah, that's also about the resurrection. Mm-hmm, it is. It, yeah, the general resurrection, yeah, it is. was prophesying a resurrection not just for one, but for all of God's kids. Check it out. Yes, this is true. The first four verses. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So what dry bones in your life need to be prophesied to today? What dry No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, man, this is just such a silly and stupid twisting of God's word. Yes, it's true that, you know, God said prophesy to the bones and all that kind of stuff. And in a sense, what what Ezekiel saw was kind of a vision slash parable thing. And um, and so it needs an interpretation. And thankfully, Ezekiel 37, the Lord himself gives us an interpretation of the raising of the body of the of the you know the bones in the valley of the dry bones and here's what it says in verse 11 so then he god the lord said to me son of man these bones are the whole house of israel behold they say our bones are dried up our hope is lost we are indeed cut off therefore prophesy and say to them thus says yahweh elohim behold i will open your graves and raise you from your graves o my people and i will bring you into the land of israel Mm-hmm. And you shall know that I am Yahweh when I open your graves. You see, that that's a promise of the resurrection itself. So um, we've got a problem here, and that is, is that, well, Shane has read out for us two passages of Scripture that are referencing the same thing. They are referencing, no, no, no joke, the resurrection from the grave that we all will experience. And we in Christ 
who are raised from the dead, you know, because we've been grafted into Israel, we too will be raised from the dead and God is going to bring us into the true promised land. You know, the new heavens, new earth, all of that kind of stuff. And so we've got a problem and that is, is that uh, he's taken the promise regarding our bodily resurrections and has now said that God is going to raise our dead dreams to life. No, 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 no. And you need a resurrection. What feels dry? What feels like it's, that's completely beyond hope. There's no. Yeah, this sermon, this sermon is dry, completely beyond hope. And I'm 100% confident that God ain't going to resurrect this sermon because it's, it's, it's dead. At that thing being resurrected. What is that for you? You know, often in my life, I fail to recognize that I'm attempting to be satisfied with dry bones. I'm so busy organizing them and, you know, putting them together and building something out of them. I felt you, you've been building things and reorganizing your dry bones in your life. <laughs> wow. Um, are you legally permitted to have these human bones in your house? Recognize them for what they are. I once had this picture of my life as like I was trying to, you know, build something as if they were Lincoln logs, but they were actually dry bones I was stacking together. No, that, that just sounds awful. I mean, what were you thinking? And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm actually called to build up the church, the body of Christ. I once uh, saw this image of a church built out of bones look like this. And I thought to myself, that's disgusting. Who in the world would actually build a church out of bones? But then I had this realization that there might be times in my life I'm running around the Valley of Dry Bones trying to, you know, assemble them and polish them and make them look all nice. And No, you're, nobody wanders around the Valley of Dry Bones today. That's an absurd use of Ezekiel 37. And I'm like, hey, Jesus, check out what I built for you. And I don't think he's that impressed. Because dry bones neatly assembled and polished don't make them anything other than dead works no matter how well assembled they are. I just wonder, are there any bones that need a breath for you today? Do, do you have any bones that need a breath? What bones in your life are you assembling and reassembling and tidily turning into things in your valley of dry bones? Yeah. Any bones that need a breath for you today? You know, another word for... Hope lost is disappointment. Yeah, I mean, hope lost equals disappointment. So that could be a dry bone thingy. Yeah. And some of you are disappointed. You, know, you, you can't imagine how disappointed I am in this sermon. It's got an ossuary of loss inside of you, a boxed up pile of bones from being disappointed. An ossuary of loss. Oh, that sounds so profound. It's nonsense. Some of you, if you're honest, it's you've been disappointed with God. You prayed and he didn't. He promised and you don't have it. Yeah, if God promised it, he doesn't ever lie, which means you didn't really hear God promise you that thing. You tried religion. That clearly didn't work. Notice that the sappy music is continuing to play at this point. I mean, this is a poignant moment. The Holy Spirit is really trying to help people process some stuff here so that they can address the, the, the dry bones in their life and experience resurrection. And you just think that's impossible that those bones could live. No way.
No way, man. No way. <sighs> Again, this is an example of why I think you need to have mandatory drug screening for all seeker-driven vision casting leaders. That thing is dead. It's dry. You've done buried that, grieved that, rolled a stone over that, put a guard over it. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is nonsense. He's gone. She's gone. It's gone. Yeah, this sermon, gone. But I got some good news for you today. That Christ bled and died for our sins and rose again from the grave bodily on the third day for our justification. Something like that, please. Look at what happened in the Easter story. Satan loved to take that which is good and innocent and pure and hope-filled and kill it, crush it. Bury it. Roll a stone over it. Guard it. Yeah, the devil just loves to do that to stuff that's innocent and hope-filled. Yeah, so, I mean, so Jesus is experiencing and demonstrating for us the quintessential example of what what it looks like to fall prey to the devil's favorite thing to do. Make sure that that thing is sealed and it never coming out. And I want you to know that that situation or that person or that circumstance in your life that has been taken from you, whether literally by death in the grave or metaphorically by death in the grave. Here's yeah, no, notice he just admitted all this metaphorical stuff that he's doing, which is no way to handle Jesus's literal death and resurrection. You need to understand the real thing that the enemy of your life wants to bury is the part of you that had hope. No. Devil wants to put me in the grave and is working overtime to make it so that all of us end up in the lake of fire with him on the last day. This nonsense. He wants to bury that part of you that had belief, innocence about him. Yeah, we're all ungodly sinners. What are you talking about? trust about her that's what he wants to be buried where did you get this intel on the devil and the things he wants to do and sealed and to never live again no but i want you to know i don't care how much that part of you seems entombed dry dead sealed up and guarded i am declaring to you today that the resurrection of jesus is god's declaration that no dead thing is out of his reach not one Hang on, I'm feel, I'm feeling nauseous. I'm gagging. This is awful. Single one, none. Because the same. And they're clapping for this utter pablum. This guy is literally blaspheming God, taking God's name in vain, making promises for God he hasn't made, allegorizing the uh, the resurrection of Christ, and and misapplying it. And these people are clapping. Oh, this is like the best thing we've ever heard in our lives. It's nonsense. Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave wants to come and live in you. And that means he wants to assemble those bones. Verse 7. So I pro- No, no. He's promised to assemble my bones. The actual, physical, literal bones of mine. I'm going to actually raise from the grave. <clears throat> I think you get the point. <laughs> I I think I've I've developed a nervous twitch now, you know. <laughs> I've got a weird tick going on. I can't handle these sermons anymore. Nonsense. Moving along. Praise the Lord for all the cash I've got. Raising for my Rolls Royce and my yacht. 
Serving God ain't hard with a credit card. Jesus died so I could make a lot. Praise the Lord, he's made us millionaires. Wave your donations in the air. We've replaced our hymns with ATMs. And soon we'll charge a fee on every prayer. Jesus Christ was a poor man, don't you know? He should have used our accountants for his cash flow. Stop the sermon on the mount, he should have had a bank account. Two thousand years with interest. He'd be rolling in the dough. Praise the Lord, this song's out on CD. Just forty ninety-five plus GST. Hallelujah, Lenny and Moolah. Solid gold baubles on my Christmas tree. I've got all of heaven's riches. Thanks to all you stupid Praise the Lord and pass the tithing bucket over here. Uh, you need to sow some seeds to me. All right, so we're heading over to Hillsong, and this is, I think, the second year in a row that uh, <laughs> Brian Houston has done an, an Easter message via video travel log. You know, I, I <laughs> he's somewhere in the Mediterranean, and uh, you're going to note the shameless plug. Uh, Brian Houston's latest book is titled There Is More, and you're going to note that during the, this this Easter message, not only is he going to gauge in like some weird technique, I'll explain it when we get there, but there's clear product placement. You know, there is more woven into the um, the message, clearly designed to get more of the Hillsongians to buy his latest book. But uh, here's Brian Houston and his honorable mention for Easter Sunday. Here we go. Today we're celebrating that the lamb who was slain rose again after three days and became the great lion of Judah. Nothing portrays the message of there is more, more than Easter does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, you see, see what he just did there? Yeah, you see the there is more, you know. <clears throat> so we've got Hillsong Brian Houston book product placement mentions in his Easter sermon. <laughs> yeah, I I think that would qualify as making merchandise of people. Now, listen carefully. He is talking about the lamb who was slain, who was raised from the grave, who was the lion of, of the tribe of Judah. Now, there's a technique, and funny enough, um, I've been uh, I'm just about finished with Michael Brown's <laughs> latest book, and uh, you know, he he takes some swings at some of the weird stuff that's going on in the charismatic movement, but without naming names and not trying to get rid of the charismatic movement at all. Um, and uh, th- there's a technique he called what did he call it the um, the tangent anointing, the tangent anointing. And Brian Houston is going to twist God's word using what Michael Brown now has described as the tangent anointing. And it's a, it's a, a play on words. You know, so if I were to sit there and say, so, you know, if consider that in scripture, it talks about how God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the heavens, you can think of, well, heavens in several different ways. You can think about the, the highest heaven where, where God, he, where he currently lives with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Or you could talk about the heavens talking about space, you know, where the planets and the galaxies are in, in your life. And so space. And so when we talk about God being, you know, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, well, space is an important thing. I mean, have you made space in your life for God? You're thinking, well, wait a second. You see, what, what, what just happened there? You see, I use the word space, and although it, it, it ha, you know, it's the same word, I've used it in different definitions as if somehow they're the same. The, uh, the, 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 this is noted as a, a, a word that is called a homonym, where you get, you know, where you get one word having completely different meanings, you know, space being outer space as opposed to space, like making space in your life, time in your life for God. You see, that's, that's what he's going to do here. And he's going to do it with the word Judah. Watch. So this is going to be what Michael Brown has condemned now in his book is, you know, playing with strange fire book as the tangent anointing. Um, Brian Houston is suffering from the tangent anointing. And therefore Michael Brown I should say, since he's written against this, is now writing against none other than Brian Houston. But watch what he does. Not only the lamb that takes away your sin, but also the lion who has conquered hell and death. Behold the lion of Judah, Revelation chapter 5 says. And that word Judah means praise. No. (laughs) You see, there it is. There's the tangent anointing. Um, In that context, Judah actually is referring to the tribe of Judah, not the, the 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 actual meaning of the name of Judah, which is praise. So, yeah, this is the tangent anointing. Let me back this up so you can hear it again and watch what he does. It's all nonsensical wordplay. So the lion who has conquered hell and death. Behold the lion of Judah, Revelation chapter 5 says. And that word Judah means praise. And I think praise is a conqueror's language. This is an NAR doctrine, by the way. Uh, yeah, this is an NAR doctrine. So, um, yeah, that you know, praise is a conqueror's language. And when we're talking about the line of the tribe of Judah, we're not talking about Judah meaning praise and praise being a conquering language. Tangent anointing. Therefore, Michael Brown, I mean, you know, by extension and application, is condemning uh, Brian Houston in this twisting of God's word. Thanksgiving and victory in the face of defeat. It speaks life into death. In Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5, it says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Yeah, that has nothing to do with the line of the tribe of Judah. Thankful to him and bless his name, the scripture says. So we enter the presence of God with thanksgiving. That's what I love about praise. That's what I love that he's the lion of Judah. Judah meaning praise. Because. (laughs) Yeah, so bad. Today, I believe Resurrection Sunday means that we can live our lives even in the face of challenge praising God. I love the fact that praise speaks into the storm. It speaks into the darkness. What are you talking about? Praise speaks into the storm. Can you actually give me a real biblical text that says that? Speaks into the challenge and it ignores what it sees because it focuses on the lion of Judah. On the air. Yeah, the lion of praise. Right, yeah. 
of the Red Sea when the children of Israel were saying we'd be better off to go back to Egypt, not Moses. Moses, he knew that praise was a breakthrough language. He was already praying. Moses knew that praise was a breakthrough language. No, no text says that. In God and thanking him for doing the fighting for them. And of course, Jesus, when he was confronted with a dead Lazarus, he began to thank God for hearing him. Ah, see, the reason why Lazarus was able to be raised from the dead is because Jesus employed the strategic praise battle language thingy. And that's what caused Lazarus to rise from the dead. Good grief. Before the dead was risen, he said, thank you, Lord, for hearing me. I know you always hear me, he said. Lazarus was still dead, but he was already praising the Father for the victory. The Psalms say, bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. See, Lazarus was dead, but he himself was also employing that powerful strategic battle language known as praise, you know, because the lion of the tribe of Judah, and Judah means praise. And I want to encourage you in the face of your storm, your darkness, to remember the lion of Judah, the lion of praise breaks every chain and we can look to him and praise our way out of challenge because Jesus... Praise your name out of challenge because there's more. Us ...is alive. The lion of Judah is worthy of our praise. Yeah, he, indeed he is, but... Yeah, you've totally twisted God's word. Yeah, and uh, engaged in product placement. Let me give you another example of that from this exact same sermon so that you can kind of hear the misery that this thing is and the twisting that it is. So we've documented he's got product placement and uh, tangent anointing. But hear this, this other example from the same sermon. I know, as I've been in the launch season of my book, There Is More, that I have signed a lot of books, and it leaves my hand very sore. So, <laughs> Yeah, in the middle of the Easter sermon. Yeah, I've been signing a lot of books. My, my new book, There Is More, oh man, it, it left my hand really sore. It's difficult to imagine John writing down this incredible revelation. Right, John writing the book of Revelation because his hand was so sore signing all of those books, you know. The book of Revelation is, in fact, the revelation, of course, of Jesus, the resurrected and victorious Jesus and his promise of things to come. Yeah. So on Good Friday, we beheld the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Indeed. But there was more. More. And today... See, there was more. Yeah, and more product placement here. We reflect on that more. It's Resurrection Sunday, and we can be... Why do I feel like I'm trying to be sold something? Hmm. Hold the lion. He is risen. Yeah. John the Baptist's declaration was, Behold the lamb. The perfect sacrifice slain for the forgiveness and freedom of all mankind. Yeah. But there was more. See, there was more. Yeah, see, see there was his, Brian Houston's book. See, the, he, was, he was slain for our sins, but there's more. The pure, humble, sacrificial lamb was about to overthrow an earthly kingdom and establish a heavenly one. In God's upside-down kingdom, a servant can be a king. Death can lead to life, and a sacrificial lamb can rule and reign as a lion. What appears weak and vulnerable, the lamb, 
is in fact the mightiest of rulers, the lion. And the rulers of this world and this age will bow before this lamb and this lion. Yeah, yeah. It was at the start of Jesus' earthly ministry that John hears the words, Behold, the lamb. And now after Jesus has risen and ascended, John hears, Behold, the lion. There was more. There was more, more, more of uh, Brian Houston selling his book during his Easter sermon. One who died is almost definitely alive and now rules and reigns in majesty. Listen to it again. John writes, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. It's speaking of Jesus. You see, there was more for Jesus. Another one, another product placement there. To do after the cross of Good Friday. There was so much more. more. So much more. Please buy his book, would you? So he'll just be quiet. He's the victor that conquered sin. The conqueror of sickness and disease. He has overcome bondage and oppression. And he has defeated all the works of the enemy. And of course, he even conquered death itself. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Death has lost its power because the lion has overcome. Yeah, see, because there's more. Yeah, I lost track of how many times he plugged his own book in the middle of his Easter <clears throat> sermon. Yeah, that was not gratuitous at all. All right, uh, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me... Regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Uh, contestant six. I don't even know who to give credit to on this one, but stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee, and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out!
Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Two, Fighting for the Faith. This one's kind of a new one for me. I've never quite seen an Easter sermon like it. Is it even a sermon? I, I don't know. But let's do this right. bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's Easter sermon comes to us via Valley Bible Fellowship. I don't know how to explain who's presiding. We'll just note the different people who come in and out and participate in this Easter sermon. And um, it's a game show. That's about all I can explain. And uh, I think you'll get it. So uh, let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's the uh, Easter sermon from uh, Valley Bible Fellowship, uh, April 1st, 2018. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do you know what time it is? It's time to make a deal on Valley Bible's very own Let's Make a Spiritual Deal. Now, please join me in welcoming your host, BBF's very own, Pastor Ron Vietti. We'll blame him. We'll, we'll blame Ron Vietti. Okay. Hey, good morning. This afternoon. Gosh, you people love me better than the first two services. Wow, that's pretty crazy. They did this in more than one service. Welcome to Let's Make a Spiritual Deal, where your deals last a lifetime and beyond. And so let's get started right now. Shane, give us our first contestant. 
Our first contestant hails from a quaint little town outside of Columbus, Ohio. She enjoys long walks on the beach, dinner by candlelight, and has read the entire Harry Potter book series twice. Mary Studenhauser, come on down and let's make a come big on down, deal. Mary. Give her a hand. Way to go. Here comes Mary. Hey, Mary, you're pretty excited. Whoa. Settle down, Mary. Settle down. My ears are bleeding. Oh? Well, on this game show, you know, we ask you to bring something that's very valuable to you. She's holding a box in her hand that says, My Commitment to Church Attendance. Yes, this was the message delivered on Easter Sunday. Try to make you a trade. It looks like Mary today has brought My Commitment to Church Attendance. And you brought that, and you know what, Mary? We're going to offer you a deal on that, and I'm going to have Shane tell you what we will offer you. Go ahead, Shane. Mary, if you choose to make a deal, you'll win a fabulous weekend vacation for your entire family. You and your family will enjoy a relaxing getaway every weekend for the rest of your life. No more soccer games, pampered chef parties, and church for you, girl. You get to relax anywhere, anytime, on any weekend. And that's not all, Mary. You'll be traveling in style in your brand new RV. This 2017 vintage motorhome is built for luxury and comfort for the whole family. Say goodbye to that cramped old minivan and say hello to your brand new home away from home. Wow, Mary, I'll tell you what, this can be yours. But this travel club's only on weekends. So you know what? If you take this deal, your commitment to church is gone because you're going to be traveling places where there's no internet. There is absolutely no Wi-Fi, nothing. But you know what? You'll be traveling in style. And so, Mary, I'm going to ask you today, will you give me your commitment to church attendance and be gone every weekend of the year at Wonderful places in your beautiful motorhome. What will you do? Come on. So uh, Ron Vietti, the pastor there at uh, Valley Bible Fellowship, uh, is playing the role of not only talk, you know, game show host, but clearly the devil. Yeah, I think that's kind of appropriate. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What do you think? What do you think, Mary? keep saying no, but I really want that motorhome. You want that? She wants the motorhome. What do you trust me? If I had a choice, by Valley Bible Fellowship or a motorhome, I'm going with the motorhome because the motorhome will not deceive me with false doctrine. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mary, what are you gonna do? You gonna trade me or not? I really want that. Motorhome. You want home? Yeah. You're gonna give it to me. She's gonna give it to me. Good choice. Way to go, Mary. That's a smart decision. Flee from Valley Bible Church. Whoa! This happens every year, gang. Every year. People call me up and they'll go, Oh boy. <clears throat> Pack your bags, folks. We are going on a guilt trip. I'm going through something. Can you help me? And they're crying. And I'll say, we just did a series on that in church. You weren't here. Look on Easter. Look what happened. It says in our text, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes. Please explain to me how this text has to do with Mary giving up her commitment to church attendance. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Where do you go looking for God at? He shows up. 
Oh. <laughs> oh man, that's one of the most originally heinous twistings of um uh resurrection text that I have ever heard. Every Sunday here. It blows me away. Why is this one of the biggest churches, if not the biggest one in Bakersfield? Because he's showing up here. No, but it, the reason why it's one of the biggest is because you are scratching, itching ears and twisting God's word. Sunday. Every Sunday, he show, it blows me away. Why? We have chosen people that hear God's voice. Not our new teaching team in the next year. We just No, if you were hearing God's voice, God would be uh, rebuking you for your false teaching and twisting of his word. Vicki Loman to our teaching team, and I'm real excited about Yeah, God's word forbids women from teaching men in the church, during church. Listen to me closely. It says in Ephesians 4 that the Lord, before he ascended, he descended and got his family together. And then he gave gifts to men so his family on earth would not be without. He anointed people as apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He says, what I'll do is I will flow through them to equip the saints. And the word equip is the same word as mending nets. We come in here cut up, butchered, hurt, injured by the world. And every time God shows up, did you, did you sense God's presence in the worship today? Was he in the house? Mm, sounds like you manipulated them with a uh, smoke and lights show in the middle of the dark with a rock and roll head banging monotonous music to create the false impression that that was the Holy Spirit's presence there. Is he in the house? Look at this other verse. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly overflowing. That, that, that. Yeah, twisting of John 10. Clearly you're not hearing from God because God would rebuke you for twisting John 10 that way. Bundly, we played with that in the Greek. That is a crazy word. Now listen to me. I'm listening. Nothing wrong with having a motor home. I hope I have one one day. And it's good to use, but when you go in your motor home, at least you watch online. You don't want to miss the service. I don't know how many times I've went to church. And I just know the pastor's been talking to my wife because he knows everything. That's God. Don't ever stop coming to church. See, we all have a tendency of getting off track. We all have a tendency of losing focus. And every week we come to church, the pastor speaks to it or whoever's speaking. In Proverbs 1, it says that wisdom speaks out in the square. Wisdom cries out in the church every week. But it says the naive and the simple, they don't want to hear it. And so that chapter goes on to say that when trouble comes to their house and they call out to God and say, help me, it says he will laugh at their calamity. And in the Hebrew, that means he'll sigh. He'll go, he'll go, had you all been listening the last year? I've been telling you how to keep this from happening. When calamity hits, and it'll hit at any time. As Christians, we're not, we're not immune to calamity. But if we were listening, God would have us prepared for it. He'd be with us. So you can't stop coming to church. Shane, give us our next contestant. Our next contestant weighs in at a whopping 175. His favorite movies consist of The Notebook, Free Willy, and the entire Twilight Saga. All the way from Maricopa, California, Tom Peterson. Come on down hey. and let's make a big deal. Hey, Tom. How you doing, buddy? 
Good to see you. Yeah, Tom's pretty excited. These contestants, I don't know where we got them. Maricopa, how was the drive in this morning? It was good, man. A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. That's a long drive from Maricopa. That's a big city out there. Well, I'll tell you what, we've asked you to bring something precious. And boy, did you bring something precious to trade. Tom brought his family, his wife, his kids. Oh, that's a good-looking family, Tom. Wow, wow, wow. Do you love them a lot? They're my life. They're everything to me. Ah, those kids, those kids sometimes, though, man, they can be a nuisance, can't they? Uh, okay, all right. And that wife, sometimes, you know, she gives a cold show. But I'm going to have Shane show you what we're willing to trade you for that family and that commitment. Take a look. Tom, if you choose to make a deal, then say hello to your brand new one-of-a-kind girlfriend. Uh-huh. That's right, Tom. Say yeah, goodbye to that old ball and chain you call a family and say hello to living in freedom. Uh-huh. This new girlfriend comes with all the upgrades. Uh-huh. With a new age way of thinking, this new model will not only take care of all those pesky dishes without you asking, you'll never have to do laundry ever again. No refunds, taking back to Oh, Tom. You know what? I'm telling you. You can have this romantic fling, maybe for a year, two, or three. We don't know. You have a new girlfriend. Life will get exciting again. And their wife doesn't need you all the time. And your kids, they have cell phones. They're busy. Tom, will you trade me your commitment to your family for what I just offered you? Come on, folks. Help him out. Help him out. Will you make the trade? Come on. And that's a beautiful-looking woman. you got a new life. I mean, it's there. I'm sticking with my family, man. My family. Way to go. He's not an adulterer. Thank God. With your family. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Give him a hand. Does this happen every year or what? Walk in my shoes for a while. I get phone calls every week, stuff on Facebook. My spouse just met somebody on the internet. They're gone. They left. They left. You know, I never get over being shocked. People are playing with pornography. You're going on crazy. And you think you're going to get somebody better? Yeah, this is sexual immorality, which is a sin, which is something that Christ actually bled and died for on the cross on Good Friday. Yeah, and his resurrection from the grave, kind of important in playing into that as well. Before. You get someone who has 20% of what your spouse doesn't have when your spouse has 80% of what you want. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Why don't we talk about how God has told us to flee sexual immorality, how it is an egregious and terrible sin. It's happening. Guys, get off the Internet. Get off Craig. Get off that stuff because you're going to ruin your future. Debbie and I were talking one day. I swear with Josh and Terry. By ruin your future, are you talking about the fires of hell or just make their lives more complicated? Be at if I had left you because I wanted to leave really bad when I was younger. She said they wouldn't be in church. It'd be bitter. It'd be out there somewhere. I'm telling you, my family's the most important thing in my life. Outside of God, yes. My son's my best friend today. My daughter's my best friend. My grandkids are my best friends. All my grandkids are preaching. They're teaching. They're off in ministry today, scattered everywhere. But praise God, I had to start this thing, and I had to stick in with my marriage. A lot of temptation out there. Way to go, man. Way to go. Aren't you great? A lot of temptation. On the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection, Jesus 
poured out his spirit on 120 people and said, you're now my family. Yes. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. I read a story this week about two battle, paddle boats. They're really steamboats. They were traveling from Memphis down to New Orleans on the Mississippi. And they were alongside of one another. And these two paddle boats, steamboats, the sailors on each boat begin to heckle the other guys on the other boat. They said, we're faster than you. We're better than you. They heckled each other. They kept challenging one another. Pretty soon the race was on. And the one steamboat, it just brought enough fuel to make its journey complete. It didn't have enough fuel to race. And they started running out of fuel. And some, uh, you know, very wise sailor went back. At least he thought he was wise. And took some of the cargo and threw it into the oven. And it burned as well as the coal. Even a little better. And he took some more cargo, threw it in some more cargo. He got caught up in everything, throwing the cargo in. And they actually won the race. And when they hit the finish line... They had burned up all their cargo. Didn't have anything to show for it. There are many men and women that are running the race so hard, so unfocused, that they're going to end up at the end of the line with the guy with the most toys wins. You might have a lot of toys and a lot of stuff, but you've lost the most precious cargo you were carrying. Yeah. Um, again, um, you see, you see the whole point is that Christ has bled and died for these sins. I'm sure we'll get a gospel presentation somewhere at the end of this thing here, but even here, you're not actually preaching God's law in all of its finger-pointing sin, you know, pointing out fury and wrath. You're not even really doing that. Men, listen to me especially. Those kids are your responsibility. That is a big responsibility, huge responsibility. Billy Sunday, the infamous Billy Sunday, he led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. But on his deathbed, he said, I am a failure. And they said, why? He said, although I've won thousands of the Lord, I lost my kids. I didn't win them. Take a look at this verse. Behold, children are a gift to the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. If I had to do over again, I'd probably have six or seven kids. As I look today, and my daughter is in Thousand Oaks, they're preaching. My son is serving the Lord. My grandkids are serving the Lord. I would have loved to have a whole bunch of those. It says they're like arrows, you sharpen them up. You teach them how to pray. You teach them how to hear God's voice, and then you shoot them into the community. You shoot them out there. I'm telling you. Look at this other verse. Do we have another verse? That's the only verse I had on that. I'm getting tired. This is third service. <laughs> Shane, let's go to our third contestant. All right, third contestant. Here we go. Our next contestant joins us all the way from the heart of the bayou in New Orleans, Louisiana. He wrestles alligators in his spare time and holds the record for the scariest mustache across five county lines. Jedediah James, come on down. Jedediah, give him a hand. Come on down, Jedediah. This guy wrestles alligators, if that's what I heard was right. This is crazy. Come on up, Jedediah. You finally made it on a show. Call my name. It's about time. I made it on the stage. I'm here. 
Oh, Jedediah, man, this is a big man here. And you're wearing a clock around your, your, your neck here. And I think they told me backstage what this was concerning. They said Jedediah takes his time and cuts it up in sections. And he goes to Starbucks Bible study. He spends a day with his kids every week. He has date night with his wife every week. He serves in the church. He takes his time very wisely. Is that true, Jedediah? That is true. Yeah, you, you, you're a wise man, they say. But you know what, Jedediah? I'm going to offer you something about all this time control you have given here, here, here. Take a look, Jedediah. We're going to offer you something really big. So, Shane, take it away. Well, Jedediah James, if you choose to make a deal, then you'll never have to worry about money ever again because you've just won a truckload of money. That new set of golf clubs you've wanted, done. That brand new sports car you've been drooling over, it's yours. All you have to do is work 70 to 80 hours a week for the rest of your life, and all your dreams will come true. Wow, Jedediah. Now, did you hear Shane? But you have to work 70, 80 hours a week for all this cash. That means no more time for... You know, the kids' day that you have, no more time for serving at church, no more time for anything, because you're going to be working, 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 but you're going to have that sports car, you're going to have almost anything you want. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars, Jedediah. But he said, money, 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 money. <laughs> I mean, now, it's money. It's Jedediah. That's what this show's all about. This show's about, will you trade what you have brought for what we're offering you? So Jedediah will be rich. But you know what? Kids won't have time. Won't happen. Won't happen. Okay, Jedediah, you got to make your decision. Will you give me your time, and we'll give you that 80-hour-a-week 80, 80 job and all that money. So let's, let's hear it, folks. Help him out a little bit. Jedediah, this is going to be cool. What are you going to do? You better encourage him. Okay, what's it going to be, Jedediah? Final answer. My final answer is... We're going with the cash. They're going with the cash. Jedediah, give me that. Just dumped his kids for cash. Wow, yeah. Give me that clock, buddy. It's now mine. The time is mine. Jedediah, they'll take you off the stage, and I'll tell you, you're not going to need all that cash where you're going. You know how hard it is to find workers in the church? Nobody. He just made it sound like salvation is by works, not by grace through faith. Time for the church. They're all busy. Time, time. They, nobody has time. Today, I'll tell you what. People are lovers of pleasure sometimes more than God. Take a look at this verse right here. And the Lord said to Moses, come up to me into the mount and be here. I talked about this in my sermon two weeks ago. See, we're not very often anywhere. We're on our phone. See, we have to take our time and split it up and give some time to our kids, some time to our wife, some time for ministry, sometimes just being alone and saying, Lord, here I am, I'm available. Look at this other verse. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And another verse. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. You know, I told the church two or three weeks ago. A decade or two ago, I laid out here like a bum. I had this great idea. I, I'm kind of theatrical in my approach to ministry. And I laid out here and nobody knew who I was. And people came by and gave me waters. They gave me hot dogs. They gave me money. And I never expected this. I was blindsided by a spiritual experience. 
And I'm telling you, gang, this was real. This was definitely from God. All of a sudden, as I lay there, I became a homeless person. I was a homeless person as well as you could be one. And my heart began to ache, and I began to even get teary-eyed. And something in me cried out, I don't want just your money. I don't want your, just your drinks. I don't want just your hot dogs. I want somebody to sit down and ask me about my story. I want someone to... He had a spiritual experience, so, you know, it's got to be from God, you know. ...about me. Ask me how I got here. Because in that moment, I could tell people were just throwing stuff at me. I wanted to care about me. I unfortunately do a lot of funerals in my calling. And every once in a while, all the time, I'll get a funeral of a man or woman who's died. And kids will come up. They'll say, my dad or mom didn't have a lot. But you know what? They were there for me all the time. When I needed them, they were there. When I wanted to play ball, they were there. They never missed my sporting events. There wasn't a better mom or dad in the world. Told you I was driving out the freeway today and I saw an older man and woman had a flat tire. Debbie and I stopped and they began to cry. They said, I've been standing here an hour. No one stopped to help us. I said, I'm not good at anything, but I can take your tire and get some air in it. We're all so busy. You go into a restaurant. Look, everybody's on their cell phone. We're never there. We're never there. I was in the gym. This is a small thing, but I was in the gym yesterday. And I was going downstairs in L.A. And somebody's coming upstairs and he said, did you have a good workout? I said, yeah, well, good for you. You have a great Easter, okay? And I thought, that's so uncommon. A stranger that had the time. I'll tell you guys, don't trade away your time. Don't get so busy chasing after money. Don't get so busy that you forget about your spouse. You forget about your kids. You forget about your quiet time. Shane, we have the last, this is the biggest deal of the day. Tell me who our contestant is. All right, the last contestant. Thank God. Now, I'm sure we'll hear something about Jesus bleeding and dying for all of these sins. It's Easter. He's got to do that, right? Our fourth and final contestant will be participating in our super spiritual deal round. This young lady has a heart for the elderly and spends her spare time taking care of orphan pets. All the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Laura Croft, come on down and let's make a big deal. That's you. Wow, we got some excited contestants. Laura, oh, I tell you, these contestants are something else today. They are good. Oh, yes, give her a hand. Give her a hand. She's excited. Uh, Laura, you are in for the big deal now. You know, you look at the game show on TV, the old game show, and what they would do is they'd make you choose a curtain before they showed you what was behind it. But on our show, we show you what's behind the curtain before we make you make a deal. And Laura, right now, we're going to show you what's behind curtain one. Are you ready? Yes. You're ready. Let's show her what's behind curtain number one. Well, Laura, say hello to Temporary Pleasure. That's right. If you like staying out all night, living life to the fullest, live free or die trying, then this is the curtain for you. You don't have to worry about the afterlife because, right, you're living life in the moment now. Carpe diem, my friend. Laura. And the people behind the curtain, they're like, you know, snorting and drinking and boozing and things like that. Yeah. Have all the drugs you want. You can get all the liquor. You can party hardy down probably for 30 years. Not much more than that because guys, the gals don't want to look at you after 40. You're not worth anything to them anymore. And girls, you got kids to take care of. You can't go out and hardy party like you, you used to. And 
You know, your, your guys, your chest is dropping to your drawers. You're getting old and it just isn't going to happen. But you know what? You can live without any rules, man. I mean, you can just part. Look, they want you in there. They're calling you. Ladies, let's show her what's behind curtain number two if she should decide. you to your new future eternal life. Laura, if peace and joy are the things you're looking for, then look no further, my friend. You can have the abundant life here and now with eternal life to go along with it. Say goodbye oh. to the temporary, my friend, and say hello to your new fabulous future. Laura, let's just make the decision, man. Just make the decision. Yeah. This is not only life forever and ever and ever, but it's the abundant life in the here and now. Explain to me what that means. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, you can have this for 30, 40 years, or you can have this and live forever and ever and ever and ever and have the best life in the here and now. Oh, man, this is a big decision, Laura. Is there any decision at all? Come on, encourage her, guys. Which one is she going to take? Number one or number two? Which one? They're all saying two. No one, two. They're all saying two, Laura. Okay, Laura, this is the final time. Will you take curtain number one and number two? Because you can't have both of these. You can only have one. Which will it be? Um, curtain two. Curtain two. She's taking curtain two. Yeah, no mention of Christ, repentance, the forgiveness of sins. At least not yet. Give her a hand bigger than that. She chose the right curtain. There are a lot of people who have to make this decision today. The Bible's honest. That's why I like the book. So apparently it's all about decision theology here. Make a decision because, you know, they put on a game show, theatrical thingy. It says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But you know, as we saw the young lady today that the guy was tempted to trade for and didn't, that young lady's going to get varicose veins. She's going to get old. She's going to get wrinkled. The Bible says everything in this world is passing away. Let's don't make a fool out of ourselves. Let's enjoy the spouses of our youth. Let's stay together. And you know what? I'm telling you. What about the people there present at Valley Bible Fellowship who have committed adultery, sinned against their spouse by choosing somebody else? who made these bad decisions, you know, chose money over their family, who for a season went with the whole temporal pleasures thing and lived like there is no tomorrow. What about those people? Are you going to tell them about their crucified and risen Savior? You, you got to get to that. I'm really pulling for you, hoping that you're going to do that. Now I'm going to come back in a second. But Christianity is not getting the advertisement it should. You know why? Because most Christians aren't living the life and we're not getting a good model. I'm going to come back and talk to you more. But first, I want you to welcome my friend, Joseph Solomon. All right. Joseph Solomon is going to get the uh, maybe this guy's the closer. He's going to get them to make a decision for Jesus. Right. <laughs> Mouth of clouds of sin and sadness Drive the dark of doubt Drive the dark of doubt away I remember 
doubting the resurrection. Like many since the first week of first Easter, some not so sure. So this is a theatrical monologue. Not so confident that he rose. I remember my little niece ran up to me and told me, we learned about Jesus today. And I could tell by her smile, she was so excited to learn about this man that she did not quite know yet, but she knew without a doubt for it to be true because after all, mommy said so. And that was the first time in my life that I looked in the eyes of a child and envied them because she had no idea of what it feels like to doubt. What it feels like to have your entire belief system overload with skepticism. To never know the day you would finally be able to live beyond the shadow of a doubt. I've lived in this darkness for so long. It, it seems like I have all the right questions. But never enough answers, God. And my faith is small enough to fit in the cracks of my palms. God. Every night I lay my head down to sleep, the city of my mind is attacked by a legion of questions threatening the living rooms of my sanity, holding them hostage. God, can you help me? I remember my grandmother laying in a hospital bed like a bus stop waiting for God to come pick her up. Y'all, I had never seen such pain. And such confidence living in the same two eyes when she told me, baby, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know who I belong to. And I was so happy for her. Something inside of me wished that somehow before she passed away, she could pass down her confidence in God to me like an old family picture. I remember Sitting in the back row of a cold sanctuary crying. Because I desperately wanted what the preacher was saying to be, too, to be true. But my doubts were preaching a sermon of their own. And the streams of my tears turned into oceans of frustration. I remember sitting in a college classroom. And the only thing being tested is my faith in God. The only thing passing is my hope. Me and a backpack full of fear. Nowhere to go. No one to help me unpack. I sleep, y'all. I sleep. But I never rest. These lines around my eyes are not wrinkles. They are maps. They show you the winding road that leads to my pain. God, I'm tired. God, I am tired. And I'm longing for the day that I can place my fingers in his nail-pierced hands because honestly, I've considered quitting, but where will I go? Back? There's no hope for the living in the land of the dead, so I keep pressing forward. Today I have faith, but I can't make any promises about tomorrow. I'm surprised I've held on this long. God, just... Make me feel like I'm not crazy. God, let me know I'm not just making friends with these walls when I pray. God, I'm not questioning you. I just got questions. God, don't leave me here. 
so long I've been asking you to not... You know, Scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Are we going to hear the word of Christ in this thing? Let me hear. I just, just melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of... Drive the dark of, drive the dark of down, away. My child, when it seems you have all the right questions and never enough answers in your faith, is small enough to fit in the cracks of your palms. I told you that faith the size of mustard seeds can rearrange whole landscapes, turn mountains into open highways. Faith comes by my word, so maybe you covered your ears. My child, don't be childish. But consider the child whose faith has not quite learned the definition of impossible. Have your questions. I'm not telling you to have a blind faith. I'm telling you to consider the blind men who had faith and believed my words before they were even able to see me. Consider the birds that eat from my hand and do not fall from the sky without my consent. So how much more will I love the ones that I died for before you doubt me? Doubt your doubts. All right, so we gotta we, we gotta mention of you know God in some way dying for us, kind of sort of. And you will see they are just as empty as the tomb that I walked from. Truth is. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience to get them to make decisions of one kind or another. Truth is, you know I'm, I'm here. You know I rose and just scared. You're scared of what that means. Scared of what that should cost you. That one day they will all laugh at you. They will. Laugh you right out of their classrooms and scorn you out of their courtrooms. But my love serves as an eviction notice to anxiety. When they cast stones, my love casts out fear. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I've never started a work that I will not finish. I am the one who will give you courage to stare death in the face and say, I dare you try to scare me. I know who I belong to. And when it feels you are drowning in a sea of your own questions, just know I'm there. When it feels you. Yeah, I, I think they're clapping at his uh, performance. I have no idea what he's really saying. Drowning in a sea of your own questions and apathy, unresponsive. I'm there. I'm there like when I drowned in the Red Sea of my blood for you in these hands that took holes. Okay, some kind of vague mention of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Still no specificity. No one called to repent. No one called to believe in him exactly either. When I told you I would love you forever, I meant it. Don't you see these rings in my hands? See, we are married for better or for worse. Through sickness and in health, through faith and through questions, till death brings us closer. You are mine. 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 
Do you believe you are mine and I am yours? I promise. Way to go. Academy Award winning performance. Not exactly sure what you said. All right, we're getting close to the closer. I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear something specific about Jesus bleeding and dying for our sins, us needing to repent, trust in him, you know, all that kind of stuff. Decision is yours. Um, what am I deciding exactly? I'll never forget the day that I pushed my wife down and she looked at me and said, I never want to see you again. I had to make a decision. Just make a decision. Okay. Tried this thing. I got drunk, made a fool out of myself. Party hardy down, hurt my wife. And one day I decided to take this curtain right here. It's a day I'll never regret. I mean, do you yeah, want- deciding to take eternal life is not the same thing as repenting of your sins. Yep, nope. Stand the life that I'm sharing with you. Do you understand? I get up every day. And I don't know what's going to happen. It's thoroughly exciting. Am I going to walk with angels today? Am I going to fight with demons today? What miracles is God, is God going to do in my life? It's the most fascinating lifestyle I've ever had. Why would anybody in their right mind choose curtain number one? Yeah, why would they? Yeah, except for the fact they're dead in trespasses and sins and they didn't choose that. That's just the natural fruit of living dead in trespasses and sins. Again, I've said it almost every year, but if I took a tape measure and put it out here to New York, this life in the here and now is about a sixteenth of an inch. But people are doing it all the time. Some of you are at a dead end street like I was. You need to make a decision. Because you know... Deciding to do what? What am I making a decision for? There isn't going to be a tomorrow for some of you. You're going to lose some very precious stuff. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your health. I'm telling you right now, if I had not chosen... keep listening to the sermon, I'm going to lose my mind. Curtain number two. I would be a derelict, I'd be a drunkard, and I'd probably be dead. God has done that for me. Giving me back my marriage, giving me back everything and more. I don't have to say a lot. Either the Holy Spirit's working with you or he's not. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to do one of the bravest things you've done in a long time. I'm going to ask you, ask you to have the strength to be weak. It's so cool to see a strong man humble himself, a strong woman humble herself. And what do you mean by humble myself? What am I humbling myself? How am I humbling myself? So here's what I'm going to pray right here. Father God, there's a lot of people in here today that need to change the way they're living. Behavior modification, deciding to do different things, doesn't make one a Christian. Yeah, we're done. So there you go, contestant number six, uh, Ron Vietti from Valley Bible Fellowship, and let's make a spiritual deal. Yeah, Um, notice what was missing, like the gospel. And somehow there was this weird belief that if I just decide to do different things in my life, that somehow that makes me a Christian. No, it does 
not. It's repentance and the forgiveness of sins, faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. By works of the law, Scripture says, not one person will be declared righteous in God's sight. Instead, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. We heard a lot of law, and some sins you know, were brought to light. But we heard nothing about the one who was crucified and risen from the grave for the forgiveness of our sins, who makes us right before God, because God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might be the righteousness of God. Wow. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ's vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs> 